Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Thank you so much for your generosity today. Thank you for partnering with Summit Church, and um, God really is doing incredible things. We are continuing a series today. We're actually going to finish it next weekend. We started this series a few weeks ago back on Easter, and it's called God of the Comeback. And uh, basically the premise of the series is that we need comebacks in our lives. And today being Mother's Day, um, it's the day we celebrate, but the truth is maybe you're here today and maybe it's a hard holiday for you. Maybe you're here today and maybe you've lost your mother or maybe you've got a bad relationship with your mother. Maybe you're here today and, and you want to be a mother, but you can't for whatever reason. And there's this hurt and this ache inside of you because there's distance between you and someone you love. Or maybe there's an ache in you because you long to hold a baby of your very own and you can't. And I just want you to know we acknowledge that today. Uh, we recognize the fact that for many people, it is incredible uh, to celebrate this day. But for many people, there's, there's a, it's, it's a hard holiday as well. And, and that's really, in some ways, what today is about. Um, it's funny because we planned the series out six months ago, and, um, and it's, it's amazing to see what God is doing in it and through it today. Um, what the series is really about is just seeing a comeback in our lives. And the truth is, every one of us have family uh, of some kind, and every one of us probably need a comeback in some area of our family. Uh, maybe you've got broken relationships with someone in your family. Maybe, um, maybe your marriage is kind of a mess. It looks great on the outside and people think you're the perfect couple, but you know that your marriage is in trouble and you need to come back. Uh, maybe you've got kids that you raised in church, but now they're far from God and they're doing their own thing and you lay awake at night praying for them and worried for them and wondering what's going to turn out. I just want to acknowledge that, but God is setting you up for a comeback and that's what this series is all about. Um, a few weeks ago, um, we had a guy named Frank Reich here, and he shared a couple principles. We'll talk about that in a minute. But there are some things that we have to see in every comeback. Uh, for a comeback to be possible, there has to be a big deficit between what you have and what you need. So maybe it's a scoreboard in a game where there's a big deficit between the team who's winning and the team who's losing. Uh, maybe in your marriage today, there's a deficit between what you have and what you wish you had. And you might look at that as a bad thing, but I think... God might be setting you up for a comeback. The odds have to be improbable, have to be long odds, because the longer the odds, the better the comeback is. And the stakes have to be high, because it has to matter if you have a comeback or not. All those things help make a really incredible comeback, and those comebacks are the ones that are most memorable. And today I want to talk to you about a story from Mark chapter 5. It's a story about Jesus. Uh, Jesus encountered uh, two different sets of circumstances, and we see comebacks happen in really improbable situations. So we'll pick it up in Mark chapter 5 today, and I'm going to warn you, this is not a typical Mother's Day message, um, because we're not talking specifically to moms, or telling you what moms should be doing. Uh, a lot of the last couple of years, Kim has preached, but she got on to me because I made her work on Mother's Day, so I'm making her preach on Father's Day this year. Um, no, I'm not. Um, so we're not doing any of that. I'm not preaching from Proverbs chapter 31, like the virtuous woman chapter. I'm not doing that. 
uh, but I feel like this is really applicable to where we're at and, and what God wants to do in this place today. So we're going to start in Mark chapter 5. This is talking about Jesus. It says, And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her, so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. So just to set the scene, Jesus comes across and he lands on the shore and there's a crowd waiting on him. They were anticipating Jesus' arrival because Jesus was doing incredible things. And so people are waiting on him to arrive. And when he arrives, there's a man, he's a ruler in the synagogue. His name is Jairus. So he's a religious leader. He was Jewish um, in religion and in his uh, ethnicity. And so just with that alone, there was a little bit of tension probably between Jairus and Jesus because what Jesus was doing was kind of an offshoot of, of what they viewed as legitimate Judaism. And so um, there was a little bit of tension there probably, but yet Jesus laid that down because he had a problem that was bigger than any of his disagreements. His problem was his daughter was about to die. And so he comes to Jesus, and I'm sure he had tried everything else. He had exhausted resources, and it was like, okay, Jesus, you're my last hope. I got no other option, so I need your help. Has anybody ever had a, a moment like that with Jesus where you're like, I've tried everything else, I might as well try you? You people, a bunch of liars. <laughs> I have. I'm the pastor of the church. And I've had some moments like that where I'm like, well, I've tried everything else. All right, Jesus, I guess we'll give it a shot. So Jairus shows up and he says, I've got this situation. My daughter is ill, she's going to die, and I need your help. Would you come with me? And he says, Yes, I will. Now, if you don't have kids, it might be hard for you to imagine. It's easy for me to imagine, though. I've got two daughters, uh, 14 and 11, here on the front row. They're great girls. I love them. Um, when, uh, when Emma, my youngest, was um, just about eight weeks old, she was eight weeks when she went to the hospital, eight weeks old, there was a Thanksgiving day. We were at my wife's parents' house, and, uh, and we were eating dinner, and she had been coughing for a while. And I'm just, I'm just the dad, right? And so she'd cough, and Kim would go, man, I'm a little concerned. I'd be, ah, she's fine, rub some dirt on it. You know, like, it, she'll be okay. So it kept getting worse and worse and worse. And finally she'd cough, and her lips would turn blue when she would cough because she was having such a hard time getting her breath. And she finally said, babe, I'm taking her to the doctor. And so I stayed with, with Abby, my oldest, and Kim and her mom went to the ER to get her checked out. And Kim called me and said, you need to come up here. And so by the time I got there, they decided that Emma had pertussis, which is whooping cough. And it's highly contagious, and, um, and in a child that small, it's potentially fatal. Now, the chances of her dying were not real big, but they were still more than a parent likes. If there's a 1% chance that your baby's going to die, that's 1% too much if you're the parent. And so we're in this situation, and she's got tubes and IVs and all these things, and she's eight weeks old. I mean, she still needs everyone to take care of her because she can't take care of herself. And that was one of the most helpless feelings in the world, to, to be in a hospital room with your baby and want to fix your baby and there's nothing you can do. So when I see Jairus' story, I, I sympathize with him because I've been there where you go, I, I wish I could fix this. And maybe you've never had a child that was on death's door, but maybe you've got a child who's far from God today, who's not serving God and you feel helpless. You want to fix the situation. You want to make it right. You're going, God, what can I do? 
So Jairus goes to Jesus. He said, I need your help. I'm desperate. Can you come with me? Jesus agrees. Verse 24 said, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. So all these people were around Jesus. It says, and there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years. Now, it's not specific about what her situation was, but it is specific that she, had, she was bleeding and she couldn't stop the bleeding for 12 years. And, 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 sorry, and, and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. So here's a woman, and let me paint this picture for you. Because of her physical condition, because she was bleeding, um, she was ceremonially unclean according to religious law. So she couldn't worship. She couldn't be in contact with other people because if she was, they would become unclean and couldn't worship. So she was isolated from the people she loved and cared about. She was isolated from worship. Um, She was penniless because she'd spent everything she had to find a cure, but yet no cure was found. And in fact, her situation was even more dire today than it was before because her condition was only growing worse. She literally has nothing. No friends, no relationship, no, no place to worship, no money. She's absolutely desperate. And she comes to a place where she hears about Jesus. And this is a woman who wasn't just suffering, she was suffering for 12 years. For 12 years she'd been in this place. Can you imagine how incredibly lonely this woman was? Can you imagine how, how desperate she must have felt? Can you imagine the time she cried at night, wondering if her situation would ever get better? And then she hears about this guy named Jesus that she had heard some rumors about. And she decides, I've got to do something. See, these two people had something in common. They were both so desperate that they showed up to find Jesus. And this is what I know about Jesus. Jesus doesn't care how you get to him as long as you get to him. See, both these people, their desperation is what brought them to Jesus, but Jesus didn't judge them. He didn't care. And you might be here today and maybe you're in that place. Maybe you're a little bit desperate. Maybe your situation seems a little bit hopeless. And maybe you never raise your hand and say, that's me. But the truth is, you're that person who you're calling out to Jesus because of your desperation. That's okay. Jesus doesn't care. That's not bothering him a bit. So here they both are. They show up because they, need their meet. they have to have a need that needs to be met. In verse 27, it says, she had heard reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garment, in, in some verses it, or some versions it says the hem of his garment, or in some other versions it says the fringe of his garment. It says, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? He looked around to see who had done it. So here they are in this throng of people, all these people trying to get to Jesus. And she reaches out and touches him. And and this is what you have to understand. If we just read it straight from Scripture, it's powerful. But if you understand context, it's even more powerful. Because when this woman showed up, it looks like she was just desperate, doesn't it? It looks like this was just a Hail Mary. Like, I've tried everything else. I might as well try this too. But that wasn't the case. 
Because the word she used when she said, if I can just touch his garment or the hem of his garment or the fringe of his garment, that phrase is the exact same phrase that's used back in Micah chapter four, verse two. It's prophesying about the future Messiah. And in fact, it says that there's healing in his wings. And the word wings there is not wings like we think of, because in Christianese, we talk about the wings of the Lord and we're held under his wings and we're the wind beneath his wings. And that's not the Bible, that's Bette Midler, but you know what I'm talking about, right? So we talk about wings metaphor a lot, but this is not wings in Micah chapter four. What it really means is, it, it, it means tassels. And the tassels are found on the edge or the hem or the fringe of the prayer cloth that Jewish people wear, that they will cover themselves for prayer. And so what this this verse in Micah chapter 4 is saying is that the future Messiah is going to have healing in the fringe or in the tassels of his garment. And so when this woman says uh, there's going to be healing in his garment or there's healing in the fringe of his garment or there's healing in the tassels, she's not just throwing a Hail Mary. She's not just trying to get lucky and hoping it works out. What she's doing is she's making a statement of faith. She's saying, I'm desperate, but I've heard a story about a man and I think this might be the Messiah. And if it's the Messiah, I know that there is healing in those tassels. See, she's not just taking a chance or crossing her fingers. She's saying, I believe this is who he says he is. This isn't just a rabbi. This is not just a teacher. He's not just some guy. This is the Messiah. And she's making a public proclamation of faith. She's saying, I believe he is who he says he is. So when she presses in through the crowd, which is wrong, she is not even supposed to be in the crowd, but she shows up and she presses through and she touches just the tassels on his prayer cloth. So she's healed immediately. She believes And I love what Jesus does here. He doesn't just turn and go, who touched me? Right? No, he goes, hey, somebody just touched me. And his disciples go, you're crazy. Of course, somebody touched you. Everybody's touching you. He goes, no, 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 no. Somebody touched me differently. And we talked about this back in October. Um, Jesus, this is a hard concept to grasp, even for theologians. Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. When he came to earth as God incarnate, he laid down or laid aside his deity. And so he functioned as a normal man empowered by the Holy Spirit. Okay? So what Jesus did when he could, uh, when he tapped into the Holy Spirit, he knew things about people. Um, he had words of wisdom for people, different things. He was tapping into the Holy Spirit. And he could have done that in this moment. He could have said, God, show me. Who touched me? And he could have gone, you, right there. You touched me, didn't you? But he didn't. Do you know what he did? He said, who touched me? Because he didn't come with an accusation or a pointed finger. He, he, he opened it up. He welcomed response. He invited her to respond to him. What he was doing is inviting her to be reconciled to him. And that is exactly what our Heavenly Father does. He doesn't doesn't pound us. He doesn't guilt us. He invites us. He says, whosoever will. And this is what Jesus did. He said, "Who, who was it? Who was it? And he invited a response from this woman. Verse 33 says, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling. Remember, she was not even supposed to be in that group. She, she could have been in trouble for even being in the crowd. And it says she fell down before him and told him the whole truth. So she falls down before him and she tells him the whole story. She, I'm sure she tells him the whole story. Jesus, I've been suffering for 12 years. I've been going through this. I've lost 
my job, I've lost my finances, my savings is gone, I've got no friends, uh, my, my family is, is distant, I haven't been able to worship, here's where I'm at, here's what I've been struggling with, here's the pain that I'm dealing with every night when I lay my head down on my pillow. She shares her story with him. And says, and he says to her, daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace and be healed of your disease. What an incredible story. What an incredible picture of God's love for us. And I, I love this story, but this story is really, if we can say it like this, kind of a diversion. Because remember, when we started this story, Jesus is the main character, but do you remember who the other character was? Jairus. Remember? We started this story because Jesus showed up, and Jairus meets him on the shore and goes, Jesus, I got a sick baby. I got a sick daughter at home. Can you come help me? Right? Now, I don't know about you, but if, if I've got a sick child that needs to get to the ER, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to, I'm not going to, I may not speed, but I'm going to drive swiftly. I'm going to, I'm going to blow through some stop signs if I have to. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to go through some, some red lights. I'm going to pass some people and no passing if I need to. And it's not because I'm trying to break the law. It's because I've got an urgency because I got to get my baby to help. Does that make sense? And I'm sure Jairus was no different because he was a good father. He shows up to Jesus. He goes, Jesus, I've got a sick child at home. Let's make haste. Let's get going. Right? They're not going for a leisurely stroll. And so they're on their way. And then all of a sudden, Jairus looks back. Have you ever gone on a walk with kids and like you walk and then you turn around and you're like, what are you doing? Come on. Uh, okay. And they're, you know, they're taking their time. And I'm sure Jairus is going on going, Jesus, let's go, let's go, let's go. Okay. And he gets at some point, he turns around and Jesus is talking to this woman. Can you imagine what Jairus must have been feeling and thinking as he was watching this happen? I would love to say that he was standing on the side and the Alleluia chorus was playing and he had his hands raised and a light was shining down on the moment, right? But if we're going to be honest, let's, let's be real. If I was Jairus, I would have been looking at my watch. How much longer do we got here? Okay, let's, muy rapido, por favor, Jesus. Let's speed it up a little bit, right? Come on, we're on, a, we're on a clock here. My child's life is on the line. I don't know what's happening here, but can we wrap it up? Because at the end of the day, I want this woman to be healed, but she's not my concern. My concern is my daughter. So I'm sure that he's feeling a little bit of pressure and wishing Jesus would pick it up because he's looking at the situation and he's saying, this is just a delay. Jesus, I've got a sick child at home. And this is a delay. What are you doing? Has anybody ever been there before? You've been praying for something? You've been asking God for something? And it just seems like delay after delay after delay. You're going, God, come on. This is really important. My marriage is on the line. My child's life is on the line. My family members, this is desperate. And yet Jesus takes his time and he ministers to this woman. And this is what it says in verse 35. Talking about Jesus. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? And this is the point for many of us that our comeback dies. See, we've been praying for a comeback. 
We've been praying that things would get better. We've been praying for reconciliation in relationships. We've been praying that things would be made right. We've been praying for it. And then something turns and somebody goes, why don't you just give up? The marriage is never gonna get any better. Why don't you just give up? You know what, I know why you keep praying for your child, but man, they've made their decisions. So, so why do you keep worrying about them? Why do you keep praying for them? You've been trying to have a child for a long time. Why do you keep trying? Why do you keep up with that heartache? Just, just let it go. These aren't evil people. These are well-intentioned people. And when we hear that, it's so easy to go, yeah, you're right. I mean, we gave it a good shot, right? Because when Jairus hears these words, your, your daughter is dead, why trouble the teacher anymore? It makes logical sense, doesn't it? I mean, why would we even bother? Why would we even go back to the house? You know what, Jesus, we tried. We tried to get you there. It was just the timing was bad. I guess it just didn't work out. I guess that's just the way it's going to be. And that's where a lot of us end up, where a lot of us have been praying for something. We go, well, I guess that's just life. But I'm thankful we serve a God that doesn't give up. We serve a God that's relentless. We serve a God that will chase you to the ends of the earth. He will pursue you to the ends of the earth. He has paid the price for your sin with the life of his son. And you think he's gonna give up on your comeback? You think your marriage is beyond saving? You, you think that God is gonna give up on your child that's far from him? See, one of the things that happens sometimes we get to this point and we go, God, you promised. And there's some things in Scripture that God does promise us. But one of the Scriptures that we hang on to when our kids are far from God is it's from Proverbs chapter 22, verse 6. And it says, train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. And, and this verse should give us comfort. But I've sat with families who prayed for a loved one who didn't make it. And I've been with families who prayed that their child would come to know the Lord, and they never did. So you look at a passage like this, and you go, well, God, what's the deal? Why would you do that? That's a promise. This is the thing. This passage in Proverbs is not a promise. It's a principle. It says if you raise your kids in the fear and admonition of the Lord, then you are setting them up for a godly life. It doesn't guarantee a godly life. Because we still have free will and we can choose to follow the Lord or not. So when we look at God and go, God, you promised, you promised this marriage was going to work out. You promised that we wouldn't have this issue with our kids. You promised. We have to understand that there are promises from the Lord and then there are principles. And at the end of the day, if you're in a marriage that seems to be breaking apart, you have to be in a marriage with a spouse that wants to stay married to you. God can't overcome someone's free will. He won't do it. And so that's where we pray and we press in and we pursue God and then we trust him with the results. And here's where Jairus was. Jairus was in a situation where his daughter was dead and he had to make a choice what was gonna happen next. They said, why, why bother the, the teacher? Why keep on? Why pursue this any further? A rational person would look at the circumstance and go, okay, we're done. <laughs> but our, 
Our God is not rational. He loves us irrationally. This is what it says in Mark chapter 5, verse 36. But overhearing what they said, so Jesus was eavesdropping while he's talking. Don't do that. Jesus did it, but you don't need to do that. Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, listen to this, do not fear, only believe. Um, there's a couple in our church that I, they've been in Florida uh, for a while, and they came back, and I saw them, and I greeted them, and and they're sitting in the service, as a matter of fact. And they, I said, how you doing? They said, well, our, our daughter passed away. I am so sorry. They told me about the circumstance behind it. And I just told them how sorry I was and that we love them. And if we can help, we will. And it all felt like cliches, honestly. But it's true. And I, I've never lost a child. I can't imagine how difficult that is. But do you know what I didn't say? I didn't say, don't fear. See, Jesus said that, and that's strange to me that he would say that. He didn't say, oh, I'm so sorry that she passed away. I wish I was quicker. I'm so sorry. If there's anything the family needs, let me know. That's what we say. Do you know what Jesus said? He said, do not fear, only believe. See, when change happens in our life, it's never easy, even a good change. So think about this. You get a promotion at work. That's a good change, right? But, but you still feel a little uneasy about it because you're going, what's it going to look like on Monday morning when I go in? How, how is the staff going to respond to me now? What is this going to look like? Because there's some unknown things about the future, even though it's a good change. So if a good change can still make you uneasy and a little bit anxious, how much more could a change like this rock your world? It, it's, it would be normal for us to lose a child and to wonder about the future and be a little bit afraid about what's going to happen in the, the circumstances. And so Jesus cut through all the niceties and he went straight to this and said, fear not, only believe. He said, I see what you're going through, and I know where your mind might be going, but I, I want to stop it right here. Fear not, only believe. When uh, Frank Reich was with us a few weeks ago, one of the things he said that all good comebacks have in common is that the team that makes the comeback has to believe. They just have to believe in spite of the scoreboard, in spite of what they see. They just have to keep believing that it's possible. And this is what Jesus is calling on Jairus to do. He's saying, I know you see the circumstance. The circumstance seems hopeless, doesn't it? They said your daughter is dead. But I'm telling you today, don't fear. Only believe. Keep believing that there can be life out of death. Keep believing that a situation that seems hopeless can have hope. Keep believing in spite of what you see, in spite of what you know, in spite of what you feel. Believe. Verse 37 says, And he allowed no one, so he's talking about Jesus, he allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. 
but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother uh, and those who were with him and went into where the child was. You know what Jesus did? He, he picked his team. He said, okay, disciples, I love you all, but uh, Peter, James, John, you're coming with me. So he goes and he shows up to the house and it says there was weeping and wailing and some of these people were probably family members. But in this day and age, uh, it was common for people to be paid to mourn. So in the same way that some of you, if you had a child, might put a sign in the yard or put a decoration up that said, it's a boy or it's a girl, just to make a public announcement, basically. This was like a public announcement to the community that someone in this household had died. And so these people were making a noise. They were just causing a ruckus. When Jesus shows up and he makes a statement, he says, hey, what's going on? Why are you guys making all this noise? This girl's not dead, she's only asleep. And they laughed at him. See, some of you, you're in a situation that seems a little bit hopeless. Maybe it's in a marriage. Maybe it's a child that's far from the Lord. But, but you're in a situation that seems a little hopeless. And when you speak, speak life into that, there are going to be people in your life that are going to laugh at you. You go, you know what, man, I know this is what my marriage looks like, but I think this is what God's going to do in it. You're going to have people that are going to go, you're crazy. I talked to a friend this last week that his wife has cheated on him physically with guys at least 10 times that he knows of in the last six months. Um, she's been sending inappropriate texts to people. And he's found out about it. And he's got friends all around him that are saying, leave her. Leave her. And he's saying, I don't want to leave her. I think God's got me in this thing. And it hurts and it's painful. But I think God's got something in it for me. I think there's a future here. And I can't see it and I don't know it, but I'm going to fight for this. And everyone around him is saying, you are crazy. But he's saying, I know this marriage looks dead, but I believe. So Jesus gets rid of all the people. <laughs> he says, Mom and Dad, you stay. Peter, James, John, you stay. Everybody else out. One of the things Frank said a couple weeks ago was, when you see a comeback, you have to get the right teammates around you. See, what Jesus did is he picked the right teammates to come with him, but then he also eliminated the wrong teammates. See, some of you, the reason you may be struggling in a comeback in your life is not because um, it's a lack of faith or belief in your life, but maybe you've surrounded yourself with some wrong people that don't need to be in the room anymore. Maybe you don't need to cut off a relationship, but they just don't need to be in the room when it's time to believe. So maybe you, you ask them to step outside. You don't invite them to be on the, in the prayer confab. You go, hey, I need you and you and you and you, and we're going to believe for this thing. We're believing for a comeback. So Jesus said, you guys get out. Here they are, they come together. They surround themselves with the right people. It says in verse 41, taking her, so Jesus takes her by the hand and he says to her, Talitha Kumai, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the little girl got up and began walking. And it says parenthetically, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. Now, this is an incredible story. And we can celebrate this. And we look at this through the power of hindsight. So we know how the story ends. So it's easy to go, hey, good for Jairus. Well done. But the truth is, some of you aren't like Jairus at the end of the story. You're like Jairus in the middle of the story. You're like Jairus during that delay where he's waiting, going, Jesus, come on. 
You're like Jairus maybe in that moment where they said, don't bother the teacher anymore, your, fa- your daughter is dead. Or you feel like, I don't even know why we're going to keep fighting. Maybe it's hopeless at this point. And you don't know how the story ends up. It's easy to look and go, God, I trust you, but I'm in the middle of this delay and I don't understand it. And this is my question to you. Do you think there's any chance that your delay is actually God's plan for your comeback? Because Jairus couldn't see that in the moment. He just saw a delay. He just saw that his daughter had died. He did not see the big picture that maybe God was going to use this for God's glory. And this is what God does. God uses this delay in Jairus' life for God's glory. In verse 42, it says, they were immediately overcome with amazement. Would they have been amazed if she was raised from sickness? Sure. But she was raised from the dead. She was dead. They were mourning her already. They were they were having the memorial service. And Jesus showed up and raised her from the dead. See, a situation might seem hopeless to you. It might seem dead and buried, but I am telling you, when Jesus is involved, it's never too dead. <laughs> Does anybody remember the movie Princess Bride? And Billy Crystal plays this character called Miracle Max, and they bring him this dead body. And he goes, oh, he's only mostly dead. See, some of us look at our marriage or the situation with your kids or this relationship, and you go, it is dead. And I believe Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. It's just mostly dead. There's still life in it. I can breathe life into the situation if you'll just trust me. So that's what he does. He does that for his glory. Now, I had a lady last night, after the service, she stopped me and she said, Pastor Mel, I would not be at church today if my husband was still living. And she said, do you think God took my husband so that I would come to relationship with him and start coming to church? I said, no. I said, that is not how that works. I said, God never, not, God never kills anything. But what God will do is allow something that be killed to bring him glory. So I said, if if your husband passed away, God did not do that. God did not orchestrate that. But what God did is he took the passing of your husband and he used it for his glory. So something good came out of a bad situation when it was in God's hands. And I said, but God did not cause your husband's death. And this is what you have to understand. You might be dealing with a situation that seems dead and hopeless, but God did not cause that situation. But yet he wants to use it for his glory glory. And this is what he did in the situation. He took this little girl who had passed away and he used it for his glory. The second thing we see is it reminds us of God's authority. See, when Jairus was in that moment and he was in the middle of his delay, if he would have just looked at the situation, he would have understood that God was in control. Because you remember what the lady said, I've been sick for how many years? Anybody remember? 12 years. And then parenthetically, Mark tells a story. At the end of this story, he says how old the girl was. How old was she? She was 12. See, in that moment, if if Jairus would have been looking with the right eyes, he would have recognized the fact that God is fixing this 12-year-old problem. And if God can fix this 12-year-old situation, God can fix my 12-year-old situation. And when you're in the middle of your delay, it's so easy to look and go, God, why aren't you fixing my problem? Why aren't you answering my prayer? Why aren't you taking care of my need? But if you'll just look around you, you're going to see God taking care of needs all around you. And in the middle of your delay, you're going to recognize God's goodness and God's glory and God's handiwork if you'll just look around you during your delay. Because that's what he wants to do. He can fix that 12-year-old situation. He can fix your 12-year-old situation. 
And the last thing that I love is God uses our delay sometimes to bring intimacy with him. Um, there's a story in Matthew chapter 8 about um, this Roman centurion. He comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I have this servant and this servant is not well. He's sick and he's, here's the situation. And Jesus says, let's go. And the, the centurion goes, no, 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 no. I know authority. I'm a man of authority. I tell people to go and they go. I tell people to do what I want them to do and they'll do it. And you're a man who knows authority. So all you have to do is say the word and they'll be healed. And Jesus marveled at his faith and he spoke the word and the servant was healed. So Jesus didn't have to walk with Jairus to go heal his daughter. In fact, when Jesus stepped off the boat, I, I can imagine he steps off the boat, he goes, all right. And Jairus goes, Jesus, my daughter is sick. Come with me and heal her. He could have gone, I'll do you one better. Be healed in my name. And she'd have been healed. So, so, so why did he go? I mean, maybe, maybe he was in a step contest in his Fitbit, and he was like, man, I'm behind my boys. I got to get some steps in. I don't really feel like going, but I got to get some steps in today. So, all right, let's go, Jairus, right? No, that wasn't the case. See, I think Jesus wanted to be there. I think he wanted to speak directly to this little girl. See, he took her by the hand and he spoke to her, little girl, get up. See, Jesus wants to be intimate with us. He wants to be close to us. He wants to be in our space with us. He's not a God that stays far off, but he longs for nearness and closeness and proximity. So we use this passage, Romans 8, 28. Uh, we abuse it because we make it mean the wrong thing. We take it out of context. What it says is we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. And for those who are called according to his purpose. What this means is if I love God and I'm called according to his purpose, when bad things happen in my life, because I want to make something very clear to you, just because you love Jesus does not mean you're immune to bad things. Bad things are still going to happen in your life. Okay? Bad news for you. I love God and I'm called according to his purposes. When bad things happen in my life, which are still going to happen, God is going to use it for good. And that doesn't mean if I lose my job, I'm going to hit the lotto. What it means is bad things are going to come my way. And through the midst of those bad things, I'm going to press in even closer to Jesus Christ. That there's going to be a level of intimacy between me and the Lord through those difficult seasons and situations. And that on the other side of it, I'm going to go, Man, that was hard, but it was good because I know Jesus in a way that I never knew him before. There's an intimacy level with Jesus that I never had before that situation. And that's the good that comes from the bad. It's intimacy, it's closeness, it's relationship. That's what it's really all about. At the end of the day, that's, that's what God's doing. He's pursuing us in relationship. That's what he wants for you, and that's what he wants ultimately from you, just to know you. I don't know what situation you're dealing with today. I don't know what kind of comeback you need, but I know our God is a God that can orchestrate it. Let's pray together. God, we love you, and I'm grateful that you love us. I'm grateful for every person in this room, and I pray your blessing on us, God. I pray that you'd help us respond to your Holy Spirit, help us to hear from you, and God, I pray that you'd help us take action in our lives and whatever you would have us do. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm not really serving God, I'm not really walking with the Lord, 
but I want to. I know I need to come back in some areas of my family, but I got to start with my relationship with God first. I want to, I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. If that's you, I'm not going to make you come forward or embarrass you. I just want to pray with you right where you are. So if that's you today and you'd be bold enough, would you just slip your hand up real high where I can see it? I'll acknowledge it. You can put your hand right down. Thank you. Up in the balcony. Thank you. Another hand in the balcony. Praise God. Who else would say, Mel, pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life today. Thanks. Over here on my left. Awesome. Awesome. Who else says, I need to come back, but it starts with my relationship with God. Thank you. Over here on my right. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. All right. I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, just to say this really simple prayer with me out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for paying the price for my sins on the cross. Today, I need you. I need you to forgive me of all that I've done. And I need you to restore me to relationship with you. Help me live a life that brings glory to you. Help me live my life to show people how good you are. Help me never go back to my old ways or my my old life. Today, I am yours and you are mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, um, we want to help you grow in your faith and take the next step. And the best way for us to help you do that is for you to take just a moment and fill this card out. It's in the seat back in front of you. On one side it says need prayer. On the other side it says salvation. Let us know by filling this side of the card out and just drop it in one of our offering boxes before you leave today. Um, one of our team members is going to get a hold of you, help you take the next step. We're going to connect you in relationship. We're going to connect you in resources so that you can grow in your faith. If you're watching online or maybe you're here in the room and uh, you'd rather not fill out the card, you'd want to do something else, it's really simple. You can take your mobile device and simply text the word salvation to the number 555-888. And when you do that, we're going to respond back to you and help you take the next step. We're going to resource you, get you in a relationship so that you can grow in your faith and become everything that God wants you to be. I want every person in this place, stand your feet. And normally, we'll go right back into worship, but I want to do something that's a little bit different today. We said earlier that many of us probably have some baggage or hurt or or issues in our family. Many of us probably need some comebacks in some area of our family. And I love what Jesus did because when Jesus showed up, he he went into this girl's room. He took her by the hand. There was was physical touch there that he connected with her, that, that her family saw we're not in this thing alone. And for some of us, if we left you today, you could go, oh, it was good. That was nice. But the truth is, I think God wants you to know that you're not in this thing alone today. And this is what I'd like to do. I don't want to embarrass anyone, but the truth is all of us probably could respond to this. If you're here today and you said, Mel, um, I need to come back in my family. Maybe, maybe it's your marriage that needs restoration. Maybe it's a child that's far from God or a spouse that's far from God, a family member that you've been believing for. Uh, maybe you're here today and you're in, unable to have children for some reason and you're believing that God's going to restore you, whatever it is, but there's a comeback necessary in your family. Would you be honest enough and bold enough to say, pray for me and put, put your hand up real high. Hold it up. Don't put it down. Don't put it down. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Now, this is what I want to do. So many people in this room have their hand up. 
I don't, I'm not gonna embarrass anyone and we're not gonna make this weird, but I wanna do is I want you to find somebody that has their hand up and just put a hand on their shoulder. I don't want anybody that has their hand up to be alone in this moment. We're gonna pray together for your breakthrough and for your comeback. So I don't want anybody to be alone. If you've got your hand up, uh, nobody's praying for you, keep your hand up real high, I wanna see it. Did you have your hand up? Okay, yeah, we're getting you. All right. Now this might make you a little uncomfortable. Hey, he, he's got his hand up. Nobody's got his hand up, their hand on his shoulder. Somebody, they got you? They got you? Okay. I said I wasn't embarrassing you. I'm embarrassing you now. And I'm gonna pray. I wanna pray for you, but I want you to pray for each other. Now, maybe you came from a tradition where the only person who prays out loud is the person on stage. And if you're comfortable praying out loud, I want them to hear you praying for them. If you're uncomfortable with that, we're not gonna force it, but we're gonna pray together for a comeback in this house for a comeback in your family, for a comeback in your marriage. We're gonna believe when we shouldn't be believing. We're gonna hope when there should be no hope. And we're gonna believe that God's gonna do a miracle in this place. So agree with me in prayer. God, we love you today, and I'm thankful that you're the God of impossible situations. That God, you're the God of hopeless situations. So God, we're asking today in your name that we would see a comeback in marriages, God. That marriages that seem left for dead and buried, God, are gonna be restored in the name of Jesus. That husbands and wives, that have walked away from each other, God, are gonna begin pursuing you like never before. And as they do, they're gonna find each other. So God, I pray for restored marriages. God, I pray for parents who've been praying for kids who are far from you. God, I pray that they would not give up, God. Give them hope that you're gonna restore those children to saving knowledge of Jesus. So God, I pray today for moms who are praying that their husbands will come back to you. Jesus, I pray for breakthrough in relationship with you, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would pursue them and would not let down, would be relentless in their pursuit of lost loved ones, God. I pray for, for moms or for women and husbands who are praying for children today. And Lord, by faith, we're believing that there are people here who are barren according to science, but Lord, in your name, they're gonna to be in to have children. They're gonna get pregnant. Lord, this time next year, there's gonna be babies here. There's gonna be babies here that, that they said was hopeless. They said, give up trying to have children. So God, we're believing for miraculous today. We're believing for you to do the impossible today. And we're believing against all the evidence we see, but we're believing you, God. So have your way in this place. We're believing for a comeback in this house, God. God, I can't wait to hear the testimonies of what you're gonna do. I can't hear the, wait to hear the testimonies of how people have seen a comeback. So God, we're believing and we're confessing your name over this. We're asking you to have your way with it. And it's in your name that we're praying and we give you all the glory in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a, a round of applause in advance for what he's gonna do. Listen, I know I've kept us long. We're gonna to worship together one more time. Our prayer team's available if you need prayer. And then I'm gonna come back up and close this out. And I've got one more special announcement I wanna tell you about at the end. So if you, if you can stay, please stay. Um, and let's worship together and go after God. And then I'll come back up in just a moment, a moment and dismiss us. So let's worship God together.